Welcome to the American Valor Podcast. The Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation is the unique intersection of Major League Baseball and the United States Navy and Marine Corps, representing the 37 Baseball Hall of Famers who served in World War II, led by Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller. My name is Nathaniel Cameron. My name is Tyler Buckholtz. And my name is Colin Kirk. We represent the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation. On the American Valor podcast, we search for people who display American Valor. These individuals represent our four pillars of citizenship, service to one's country, sacrifice to one's goals, and legacy to future generations. We'll find their stories and bring them to you, stories you want to hear. Today, we are honored to be joined by the head coach of the United States Naval Academy baseball program, Coach Paul Kostikopoulos. With over 900 career wins between Providence, Maine, and Navy, Coach Kostikopoulos's 450 victories in Annapolis make him the second winningest coach in Navy baseball history. The 19th coach in NCAA Division I baseball to win 900 games, Coach Kostikopoulos was named the Patriot League Coach of the Year for the second consecutive season as he helped to coach Patriot League Pitcher of the Year Noah Song and Patriot League Player of the Year Christian Hodge. Coach, thank you for joining us on the American Valor Podcast. Well, guys, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Congratulations, Coach, on a fifth straight Patriot League regular season title. Uh, Although the season may not have ended as you would have preferred, how was the 2019 season for Navy baseball? You know, I I thought we had a great year uh, from the standpoint that – you know, we were able to be consistent pretty much throughout the year. Um, you know, it's uh, in, in our world, it's hard to win 38 games. And, and, you know, like you said previously, to repeat five separate times winning the regular season championship. So, you know, I thought we did some really good things. Unfortunately, baseball can be kind of cruel. One game, one run, and uh, kind of changes you know, uh, a little bit of the, the how you feel about the season, but at the same time, when you have a chance to reflect, really proud of the guys, really proud of what we were able to accomplish last year. Going back to the beginning, um, how did you get started in college baseball, and how did your father impact your career? I think, you know, it was funny. Uh, college baseball was always part of my life. That's all I knew, you know, when I was, you know, a, a little kid. Uh, you know, my dad was a coach at a small school in Connecticut, Wexland University. Um, he was a football and baseball coach there. And, and that was my environment. I had two older brothers that were constantly playing sports. Um, you know, I, I literally remember, uh, you know, being in grade school and being dropped off, you know, from the bus right at, you know, Wexland University. And I'd just go to practices and, and uh, be a part of that. So it's always been a part of, uh, of, of my life and, and, uh, you know, played in high school, played at Providence College, um, was fortunate enough to uh, stay on um, and coach for two seasons as an assistant coach at Providence College. And then, uh, you know, I was offered the head job uh, right after that. So um, it's just been part of what I've, you know, been exposed to. And, you know, my dad was a huge influence on me um, to this day still is um, um, in the sense that uh, I had a chance to uh, – watch a professional almost every day um, do, you know, do his thing. And, and it really rubbed off on me in so many different ways. And, and uh, you know, whether it's coaching philosophy, how to approach things, even how to run a practice, you know, I, even though I was really, you know, grade school, middle school, even high school, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd 
watch and see things. So um, obviously an enormous impact on, uh, you know, me moving forward as a coach. So at age 25, you became the youngest Division One head coach in the country at Providence. What was your preparation for that? Was it obviously you had some influence from your dad, but what else did you take uh, inspiration from to run that team? You know, I, I don't even know if it was in, in, inspiration, to be honest with you. I, I'm not quite sure what it was. I, you know, I did play there, so I had an idea of the culture. Um, you know, I played there for four years, and I was assistant for two. So I had a little idea of, of, of the program itself uh, going in. But, you know, I was really, you know, you can imagine, you, you, you know, you only have two years of uh, assistant coaching experience on a Division One level. And this is in the Big East Conference. You know, that was a pretty good conference back then. And, uh, you know, uh, had to kind of learn on the, you know, learn, learn while I was doing things. Um, you know, one thing that I knew right away, right away um, before I even uh, got into the, uh, the mechanics of the game, you know, I, you're always learning the mechanics of the game, but certainly back then I didn't have a great understanding of, of all of it. Um, but I did know you had to recruit and uh, I did know that the best players usually were, were a pretty good start of being successful. And I know that, uh, I have a story that I always like to tell the two first players that ever committed to playing for me at Providence College. Uh, one, one player's name was Lou Maloney. He eventually uh, became a major leaguer with the Boston Red Sox. That's the first player who ever committed. Second player was Jim Foster, um, who played uh, probably 10 years in the minors, made it to AAA, and now is the Army coach. Um, but I was pretty lucky with the first two guys that I got. They turned out to be pretty good players. So um, I figured it out early that you had to get out there and really recruit and, and uh, you know, make things happen. And the other thing that, you know, he kind of knew, and I think this goes back to watch my dad, you had to create a culture of hard work. You know, nothing uh, uh, changes that. You know, there, there's no uh, magic formula to going out there and be on the repeat things, being able to practice well. Uh, being able to uh, compete, um, that that doesn't change. That hasn't changed ever in sports. And um, so I knew those two basic fundamentals: get good players and make sure you play hard. And you know you're gonna have a you're gonna have a pretty good chance to to be successful. So you, you took that experience and those fundamentals uh, that you accumulated throughout your career and as, as an assistant coach and into the head coaching position at Providence. What was that transition? from Providence to Maine-like, and then from Maine to Navy? And how did you adapt, and, and what did you learn about yourself in the various programs? You know, I think, you know, taking over to Providence, um, you know, obviously that, you know, we discussed that a little bit, but a lot of what I learned there is to be incredibly mindful of, uh, of, of your players' personalities and, and um, you know, how they meld, how they, how they work together. Um, be really... Uh, aware of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that was a huge piece of what I took from Providence. And when I went from Providence to Maine, which was a little bit of a different um, situation, um, a lot of those things just were pretty much the same, you know, from a standpoint of running a program. One thing that I've, I, I can be perfectly honest about um, over 30 years, I, I can tell, you know, everyone talks about kids changing and they're different now. Well, yeah, they have different interests for sure than they did 30 years ago. But one thing I can tell you, they like to play and they like to win. And and if you can somehow form that in, in your philosophies and what you're doing as far as getting a program and, and, and 
having some basic confidence within the program. And those two things start shining through. They want to play, they want to win, they want to compete. Um, it really, almost all the programs are interchangeable. Um, coming from Maine to Navy was definitely different because we had a, a different type of person um, coming to school and, and playing for us. Uh, we obviously had a, have a person here that is uh, motivated to serve their country, um, is a wildly intelligent person because it's very difficult uh, academically here, uh, and wants to play Division One athletics. So we really have to um, put all those pieces together. And the, the biggest thing that I learned here is uh, that you got to be wildly efficient with your time here. You can't waste five minutes here. And I know that kind of sounds like an exaggeration and people might not believe that, but everything is so tight. I mean, as far as their schedule and what they do and efficiency in practice, even efficiency with your video time that you use as far as breaking down video with them, um, even talking to them in the office, everything has to be really, really efficient because time is something that they don't have a lot of. Um, and I think that's actually made me, a, you know, I hope, hopefully it's made me a better coach from a standpoint of understanding that and really valuing time. Could you give us a little bit of an insight uh, as to like the daily life of a Navy baseball player? We're juggling school, work, and then the Navy commitment as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they get up, uh, you know, they are up at six o'clock every morning. Um, you know, their day starts. They go to breakfast. Uh, usually, most of them will have four classes in the morning, um, and uh, then they have lunch. Um, some of them have one afternoon class, um, and then they will be out to uh, the practice field. Uh, individual work starts usually around 2.50, 3 o'clock or so, and those are the guys that don't have classes. We'll work with them. We'll start practice at 4 o'clock. They'll go to, oh, 6.15 or so, um, pack it up, get back to the uh, King Hall, which is our dining facility, eat, get back to the room, and start studying again, and then repeat it again the next day. I mean, they never stop. And and these, these young men and women, they're – they're putting in a good three to four hours of, uh, you know, study time at night. So they get back at seven o'clock. They're going to 11 or 12, sometimes later, obviously, depending on exams. And they do it again the next day. And they're, they're amazing at um, keeping the pace. Uh, you really have to be able to keep up with how quick things are here and, and how much is put on you. One thing that I've, I always try to get out when I have an opportunity, these, these young people are taking an average course load here is 18 credit hours. Um, and uh, that's three more than the quote 15 credit hours. And most athletes don't take 15 credit hours. Uh, certainly in the spring, they'll take 12, uh, which is a full-time student. So in some cases, um, you know, our guys are in class a third longer uh, than most of uh, the opponents that we play. So uh, and the classes are uh, electrical engineering, um, you, you, you name it. I mean, they're in, they're in uh, calculus one, two, and three, chemistry one and two. Um, it really never stops for them. And, and, and you know, I kind of have to remind myself of how much is put on their plate, you know, each and every day. When you first got to Navy, was that kind of a, uh, like a learning curve, trying to navigate their busy schedules and make sure you they were still getting their studies done, but could still come to the baseball field and get their work in every day? I thought that, that's a great question. And it absolutely was a learning curve. I, I think you really have to 
um, understand and know what they're going through and, and what their challenges are uh, to be an effective coach here. Um, and I think most of the coaches here who are effective, you know, understand that after a while, maybe not right away because it is so different, um, but you start understanding and you start um, adjusting your practices and, and adjusting your weight schedule and making sure you're getting all the work in for sure. You're not going to cut any corners, but you do have to have an understanding of what some of their responsibilities are. You know, a lot of times at night, they'll go back to the hall, Bancroft Hall, and they'll have military um, classes or they'll have a, a responsibility to do within the hall that has something to do with the military. So it's not just the, the high uh, academics. It's not just division one. It's you got to contribute uh, to the military as well when you're here. So they have a, a whole added extra component there. Uh, but really understanding, um, you know, the midshipmen here and, and trying to get a feel for, you know, what their day is, is, is important in being successful as a coach here. Can you walk us through the unique aspects of that on the external side as Navy's competing with some of these traditional universities um, as, a, as a military service academy? How does that affect you and the recruiting efforts? You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it, 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 a word I'd say affects us. I think we just go out there and try to get the, you know, some really smart kids or tough kids that want to serve. And, you know, if we get that during the recruiting process, um, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to go after those guys, because quite frankly, we have a uh, and I should say that humbly, we have a lot to offer here. This is one of the, the, the I think it's the number one or two ranked public institutions in the country. Um, our graduates uh, have the uh, third highest income um, upon leaving uh, the, their service. So when they leave, they, they you know, say five years of commitment of service. Um, when they go out and get a job, they're the they're the third best paid graduates in the country. Um, so th there's things that go with that, and the opportunity to serve your country, the opportunity to be part of something that is so unique, so important, um, and 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 quite frankly, uh, enriching in in what you do. I mean, it's not just coming here and going to school. They have a world class education. I mean, we've had players that. That are we have a player right now that's in Bahrain right now um, uh, doing some military exercises. We have people in Alaska. Uh, we have people that uh, have been um, you know in the Korean Peninsula. We have we have them everywhere, um, and it's just an amazing experience. So when it comes to recruiting, if somebody is interested in that and someone wants to you know take a big bite out of the apple. Well, we have an, a lot to offer here. So I think it's, it's, it's really like any other school. We're just going to accentuate the positives that we have here and, uh, you know, get some players. So I think that's, that's, that's really what we do. What is one word or phrase that you would use to describe a Navy midshipman baseball player? I would say determined. I mean, they really are determined. I mean, they get knocked down once in a while here. That's part of the process, too. Um, but they're just they're really determined young people. Um, you know, they just keep going. And, uh, you know, I love that about them. Um, I think no matter what happens uh, here, whether it's uh, and it can be various things. Nobody uh, masters the Naval Academy in every aspect. There's always a challenge that that an individual faces here. And um, the determination that I see in these young people um, is just 
phenomenal. Um, and quite frankly, it motivates me. You know, I, I look at them and I say to myself, look at that guy. You know, he's been up since six in the morning. He's gone through this. He's gone through that. He's out there competing. He's out there playing a sport that he loves um, because you don't have to here. I mean, there's no there's no extra benefit to playing athletics in the sense of, uh, of a monetary thing because everybody here is on a, uh, a, a tuition-free situation. Um, you could say everyone's on scholarship here, so it's not like they're playing for their scholarship. They play because they're determined and they really want to participate in Division One athletics. And, and like I said, the determination to me is, is incredible. What would you say is the greatest piece of advice you've ever received? Was it from a former coach, a player even, or where, where have you received some advice? There's two pieces of advice that, um, you know, uh, I thought were very important. One, when I, when I was very, very uh, new, maybe our first or second year coaching, uh, uh, associate athletic director of Providence College came up to me and said, you know, I want to tell you something, you're a young guy you know, um, in, in a situation where um, very close at age and, and you really have to remember to try to uh, uh, work on the concept of, you know, respect me now, like me later. And I always thought that was a good thing. I think, um, you know, sometimes we get caught up in wanting to be liked as a coach. We get caught up in, in all our things that we do, but we get caught up in the in that and sometimes that clouds your judgment a little bit and because you're always making decisions for your team and your assistant coaches and, and, uh, and your school. And, uh, you really have to be careful about that. And I thought that was a great little bit of advice and, you know, about, you know, respect me now, like me later. Um, and, uh, it seemed to have worked out, you know, for the most part, um, you know, over my career. Um, and then the other one was, um, you know, my, my dad had said this, you know, just be comfortable in your own skin. Don't try to be somebody you're not. You know, if, you, if you're an emotional guy, be an emotional guy. If you're a, a reserved person, be a reserved person. If, if uh, uh, something bothers you, you know, express yourself with that. But what, whoever you are, be that person because that's going to be the best version of yourself. As soon as you try to fool young people from 18 to 21, they see right through it. And I always like, just be yourself. And, and, and that comes with uh, probably some imperfections. We're human beings. We're, we're not perfect. We're not uh, ideal uh, in any way. Um, but be yourself. And I thought that was a, a pretty good advice. As simple as it sounds, both those were very simple, but I think very effective over my career. Absolutely. What is your definition of leadership? Oh, boy, there's so many definitions of leadership. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, I mean, we are a leadership-based school from the standpoint of being, you know, uh, that's what we do. Um, but I think, you know, leadership is, is uh, just a lot of it is providing examples uh, to people on, on how you think you should do things. Uh, a lot of leadership is, you know, conviction. Because uh, if you don't believe in what you're doing, if you don't think what you're doing is important and valuable, it'll never, ever be as good as it can be. And I, I think that sometimes is, is lost uh, in young people that, that they don't value some sometimes some of the things that we are doing. But if you can lead well enough to make it important, make it seem valuable to them, make it seem worthwhile to them, um, then you've really helped uh, motivate a group of people. And and I think that's 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 
a big part of leadership. And again, there's so many other components to it um, that, that, that go into it. It's really one of those things. People ask me that a lot because I am at the Naval Academy. But if you ever go to a, a bookstore, there's shelves and shelves of uh, books on leadership. Uh, and everyone has a little bit of a different way of, of providing that. Um, but if you can if you can create an environment of, of like I said, importance and, and, and value, um, you're, you're going to go a pretty long way to being the best possible organization uh, you can be. I want to ask you another tough question. What would your definition of valor be? Oh, that that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I thought about that, you know, again, uh, uh, being in this position, I get asked some of these questions. Um, you know, I think it's giving 100% of yourself um, to something bigger than yourself um, and having no expectation or, or want of a return. I really think it's that it's just a selfless giving of yourself um, to something that, that has value beyond your little sphere, something that is, is so important that is, is just more important than you and you expect nothing in return. And I think that is, I think that is valor. I, I, and valor can, has its, you know, different definitions and, and, and can be applied differently. But if you are, uh, if you are truly investing in yourself, um, or, or giving all of yourself to something that uh, is bigger than you, and you don't expect anything in return, I, I think that's, I think that's, what valor is and again it's different in wartime it's different in um civilian life uh it's different in 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 all all phases and walks of life but to me that's what what i think valor is wow that's a great definition i've got i've got one more question for you coach noah song was one of the finalists for the prestigious golden spikes award which is given to the nation's top amateur player um he became the highest draft pick in Navy baseball history when the Red Sox drafted him in the fourth round uh, just a few months ago. Um, what can we expect from Noah in the future, and how did you see him develop well, at his time at the Naval Academy? Uh, well, no. first of all, I think his future is bright. I mean, Noah is uh, extremely talented. Uh, he is a, uh, a player that has, uh, and you hear this a lot, phrases, but he does have all this stuff be a major leaguer um you know he has a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball he's got a, a just a tremendous slider um he's got a good feel for a breaking pitch he's got a good feel for a changeup. he's six foot four he's physical he's a good athlete he is cerebral and he is tough so you start putting those components together um it's hard not to believe that he has the potential you know to be a major leaguer Someday, and what he did here was just absolutely incredible. Um, he uh, pretty much rewrote uh, all the records here in pitching. It, it would it, it would really take me five minutes to go into all the things that uh, he did this year, as far as uh, records and and maybe baseball. Um, and I think one of the, 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 the unbelievable things about Noah is that he kept this. It's all this swirl that was around him because he got a lot of publicity this spring and even last spring. Um, and of course, Navy is unique. You know, you just don't sign a professional contract and 
leave the Navy and go play baseball. They, that, that doesn't work that way. Uh, so they had to kind of walk in the middle of both worlds. And uh, he did that phenomenally. Um, he will, he's at Lowell right now with the uh, Lowell Spinners with the Red Sox organization. He will uh, finish with Lowell um, at the end of the summer. He's also working. He's, he's also got a day job working at uh, in Newport, which is where our prep school is, uh, doing some uh, officer responsibilities there. Um, he'll finish, then he's going to go to flight school in November uh, and uh, you know start that process of earning his wings. I mean, you know, you think about someone who, to boot, he was one of the best college pitchers in the country. Um, so when you think about all the stuff that we were talking about before, what's on their plate, and for the way he handled it and the way he has worked through this, it, it, it is pretty phenomenal. Um, and uh, I would not bet against, even though this path is not a straightforward path, guys, to, to Major League Baseball, I would not bet against Noah Song someday pitching in the, in the Major League. Thank you for your time, Coach. Very all right. Appreciate hey. you sharing your time. Well, thank you guys very much for spending time. This was great. Coach Kosakopoulos, best of luck to you in the Navy baseball program in 2020 and beyond. For our listeners, thank you for listening. Please tune in next time when we talk to 2018 Bob Feller Active Valor Award recipient, Hall of Famer Mr. Johnny Bench. You can learn more about the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation on our website at www.activevalorward.org. Follow us at Active Valor Award on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to this podcast for future interviews. Thanks for listening.